I hope one thing you've noticed, though, that through this series, it's called The Great Escape, but we're not talking about escaping the world so much. You know, some Christians kind of live their life in that way where they, they think that our eternal destination of heaven is all we're living for. Sometimes they may even say things like, you know, I can't wait to escape this awful world so I can one day go to my forever home. While there is some truth to that, we are called to live for more than just our eternal destination. Some Christians kind of live their life as if they're just trying to avoid evil, avoid sin. Uh, But again, there's much more to it for this Christian life. We are called to help bring the kingdom here, as it says in the Lord's Prayer, on earth as it is in heaven. So it's not about escaping the world. It's about loving people here, doing our part to bring heaven here. Um, But there are certain things about ourselves that we should try to escape so we look less like us. We look more like Jesus in the process. And uh, the main passage we've been looking at is in 2 Peter 1, verses 5 through 10. And it says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. And here's some of the things we've talked about in the last couple weeks. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. And then to this week's self-control to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We live in a very fast-paced society. You know, you ask anyone how they're doing, what they typically say. They don't say fine. They usually say, oh, I'm good, I'm just busy. You know, that's kind of our default response. Um, We have all this technology, and the goal of this technology was to make our lives easier so that we could spend our time on other things. Problem is, the technology has just kind of made us more busy, more anxious. And here's the unfortunate thing. The very thing that we need the most, the very thing that our souls need the most, often the first things that go when we feel like we're busy in life. Like I know for me, if I'm going to improve in fruits of the Spirit, if I'm going to have more patience, if I'm going to have more self-control, I know that I need time with God. I need time in the Word. I need time with family. I need time where I remove distractions and slow down and live in the moment. Um, We're called to love our neighbors, so we need time to love those around us. But those are often the things that get thrown to the wayside when we're kind of, we're so busy and it's hard to, to squeeze it all in. Um, when those are the first things that we need, those things become last resorts at times. Um, I also want, also want you to think about this. If you spend your mornings only getting ready physically for the day, and you don't give any thought to getting ready spiritually for the day, don't be surprised when that is where you turn to for your confidence throughout that day. Or if you spend most of your day thinking only about work, money, to-do lists, Uh, We end up putting our confidence in those things instead of what's most important. Um, But we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, not just think about ourselves and our schedules. And the truth is, our confidence can only come through him if we seek him and we we think about him throughout the day. Um, Everything that we do, everything starts with our minds and our thoughts. Um, What we think about matters. You know, if you look through scripture, you're going to see so many verses and so many stories about controlling our thoughts, like getting a hold of of what we think about. Because thoughts are not just what happened to us, but also can we take hold of them. Romans 12 talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
Second Corinthians talks about taking our thoughts captive. Philippians 4, whatever is true and noble and praiseworthy, think about those things. We will never have self-control if we don't take hold of our thoughts. I love this story. I shared it with the youth group a couple months ago. Uh, there's a guy by the name of Dr. James Gills. Uh, he is the only person on planet Earth to ever complete six double Ironman triathlons. So if you want to get tired, I'll tell you what that entails. Uh, he swam for 2.4 miles. Not a big deal, right? 2.4 miles, you know. Then he rode his bike for 112 miles. Then he ran 26.2 miles. Oh, and 24 hours later, he did it again. That's what made it a double. So he did all that in the 48-hour period six different times. And he was once asked, how are you able to do this? The only person to ever do it. And I love what he said. He said, I have learned to talk to myself instead of listen to myself. If I listen to myself, I hear all the negative thoughts, all the complaints, all the fears, all the doubts, and all the reasons why I should not be able to finish the race. But if I talk to myself... I can feed myself with words and encouragement that I need to finish. He said also he would memorize and quote scripture, and that would be part of the conversation. So he's given himself this pep talk, and he's relaying scripture that he memorized, and that's what helps him to keep going. You may not be running any Ironman triathlons anytime soon. Um, Caitlin and I ran a 5K last month, so we're ready for it, right? Like, surely. Um, But there are things in your life where we can have that similar mindset. There's things that we go through that we, we can learn to talk to ourselves instead of just listen to all the negativity. Uh, give yourself that pep talk, you know, remind yourself that, that you're a child of God, remind yourself of your value and worth in Christ. And when a temptation arises, then you, you are more spirit-filled. You have these more uh, spirit-filled thoughts compared to worldly thoughts, and it'll help you in this pursuit of having better self-control. One of the many things that I love about Jesus is the fact that he was never in a hurry. He was the ultimate example of how to live. He clearly had self-control. I mean, imagine the the, uh, analogy, the story I always think of is when he was being put on the cross and he had the power to overthrow the people that were putting him there, but to have the self-control not to do it because he loved us that much. I can't imagine having that kind of self-control I think a big reason, though, that he was able to have self-control in his life was because of his way of life. He was the most brilliant, most insightful, most incredible person to ever walk the earth, and yet he walked slowly. Think about this. He waited three decades before he even began his ministry. And then the first day on the job, he goes, okay, I'm leaving. I'm going to the wilderness for 40 days. Or when uh, there was a storm and he'd be taking a nap, or like someone was close to him that was sick or dying and he was... He was always patient or he was being interrupted all the time from town to town. He would always stop and address the person in love. I mean, there was, there was nothing that could hurry this man. I've been reading a wonderful book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Um, highly recommend it, but the truth is, hurry is often the enemy of a spiritual life. Um, almost all of our mistakes, some of the times when we said things we didn't want to or some of the worst decisions we've ever made in our life, have come at a, at a result of the stress of hurry, being too hurried. So to practice self-control, we need to slow down. You know, we often talk about that verse, that, you know, Jesus says he's the way, the truth, and the life. But more attention goes to him being the truth than also the way. 
the late Eugene Peterson once said, there's a quote that will come up. He once said that Jesus as the truth gets far more attention than Jesus as the way. Jesus as the way is the most frequently avoided metaphor among the Christians whom I have worked for 50 years as an American pastor. So we need to look at his way of life, emulate what he did and what did he do. And you could say, well, it's, it was a different world, so things are different. Yeah, we, we understand that. And I think God definitely understands that as well. But there are certain things that he did that we can definitely do as well. He prioritized time with the Father. He prioritized prayer and study. He made a small group of people a priority no matter what in his life for discipleship. And he saw interruptions as opportunities for ministry. So those are all things that we can emulate. Self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit that we read about in Galatians. Um, The fruits of the Spirit, characteristics of God put on full display when we exhibit those ourselves. Think about which areas in your life where self-control kind of gets thrown out the window. Maybe it's watching a ball game like Merrill. Maybe it's busy traffic. How about the social media comment section? Don't recommend it. I mean, honestly, when, when people post things that are opinions or politics, I can usually ignore it pretty easily. But if they mention something about God and I feel like it's just very false, I just, oh, it's so hard for me not to just jump in. And sometimes there's been good conversations, but other times not as much. But it's tough when you see some comments uh, either directed at you or your God or your team or whatever to not jump in there. Maybe your self-control issue is with food or alcohol or shopping, Netflix binging. Um, Our pace of life, our prioritizing time with God is what we need the most to help us in this spiritual fruit. I think there's a few reasons why we all struggle with self-control at times. I'm going to share a couple of them today. Um, I think one reason we lack self-control is because we all want the answers right now. We don't have the answers. We get upset. Sometimes we make quick decisions, and uh, that can become a problem. Please understand this key truth, maybe a phrase you can live by. We have to learn to live for what we want most instead of what we want now. There's a psalm that says, and there's a song that goes with it, Thy word is a lamp unto our feet. Lately, that verse has meant more to me as I think about that imagery of it actually being a lamp to my feet, a light into my path. Because sometimes we want God to just fireworks across the sky, make it sunny all the time, let me see down the road, let me see years from now, all that stuff. When his word says, his word is a lamp into our feet. He gives us just enough light for the next step, the next step, the next step. And that's important to remember. That's another reason we call it your walk with the Lord. I mean, you don't really hear someone go up to another Christian and say, hey, how's your sprint with the Lord going? No, it's how's your walk? How's your walk with the Lord going? We don't need to see what's out in front of us all the time. We don't need to have answers for five years from now. We don't even need answers for next month. All we need is knowing that we're present with God and he gives us enough light for the next step. It's the same idea when you set goals in life. Some people stop with their goals because they think, well, there's a hundred steps and there's no way we can do all this. And you don't need to focus on step 100. Focus on step one. 
and as you go. Another reason we sometimes lack self-control, we think we can handle things on our own. We were made for community. We were not made to do life alone. Uh, I think one of the most ignored verses in all of Scripture, you may cringe when you hear this verse, it's in James, and it says, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. How often do we do that? How often do we ignore that? Confess your sins. Like I've, you know, we're kind of in this culture where it's like, well, you, you want to hide that. You know, you want to shout all your, your good things and praise and, you know, post everything good, but you want to just kind of keep secret things you're struggling with or things that you've, you've done. When we do that, though, we miss out on a beautiful thing God has called us to when we have accountability, when we have that support system in our lives. You know, for me, if there's a sin or temptation or addiction that I'm struggling with, and I think I can handle it on my own, when the truth is I don't have self-control in that area, even if I think I do, I need that accountability and help from other believers. One thing I've thought of over the years is if we ever say the phrase, oh, it's not that big a deal, it could be a problem. That could be the powers of darkness. That's something that the powers of darkness want us to say. Um, you know, like, yeah, yeah, I know I'm on my phone like eight hours a day, but it's not that big a deal, you know. If I, I had too much to drink last weekend, but not that big a deal. You know, I'm, I'm watching these ridiculous, horrible movies all the time. It's not that big a deal. I don't think it affects my thoughts too much. And, and trust me, this is not a message to talk about, hey, don't do this and don't do this. It's just about understanding, recognizing that sometimes Satan knows the bait. Sometimes he knows what we do struggle with. Um, he knows how to occupy our time with things that are not of God. And on the surface, those things may not be that big a deal, but how we're spending our time, our money, our resources, all of it matters. Um, sometimes we need to stop and think and, and reassess, are we really being good stewards with our time, our money, our resources? And uh, at what point do I need accountability and, and help from others to find that out? The Apostle Paul once said, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. So think about that verse in whatever category that you may need to think about it this morning. Some of those examples, again, like you may be old enough to do certain things. Like legally, I can do this and I can do this and do this. Doesn't mean it's necessarily beneficial for you to do those things. You have the freedom to post whatever you want on social media for the most part. That doesn't mean what you're posting is beneficial. Um, you have freedom to eat whatever you want, spend money however you want. You don't even need to have money to spend money in this country. Just give them a card, you know. Think about all these sorts of things. Um, Satan knows the bait, and sometimes we think we have the self-control, but we, again, we might need to step back and reassess in those situations. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity. He said, if you want to get warm, you stand near the fire. If you want to be wet, you must get into the water. If you want joy, peace, eternal life, you must get close to what has them. We can throw self-control in that mix as well. Instead of pretending like we can do everything on our own, we've got to get closer to Jesus and closer to other believers so we can grow. Another reason we sometimes struggle with self-control is sometimes we believe that past mistakes or pain have defined us. Maybe you're tempted with something, and instead of fighting against it, maybe these thoughts of your past creep in. 
Maybe you've bought into the lie that you can't do it. You start to think, you know, I've tried before, and I just, I just don't. I give up. I don't have self-control in this area. Why even try? When I was in high school, I had a pair of Doc Martin shoes, and uh, I promise you they were not stolen. <laughs> but you wouldn't know it when I'd walk into a store. Almost every store I went into, for some reason, those shoes only, they would set off the security alarm system. It didn't matter what store it was. Kroger, Walmart, Mall in Lafayette, didn't matter. So you can imagine how embarrassing it was. Sometimes I would forget. I'd leave, you know, oh, we're going to a store, and then I would get in there like, great, security alarm's going to go off. And many times they would come and check my bags, check my receipts. People would be staring. So it was embarrassing. Had this nervous feeling, and there was always... Like, I can see the door, I'm like walking towards it, and I just, you know, I just know it's coming, I know it's coming, I know beep, 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 it goes off, and ugh. Every time, I don't know why it was that way with those shoes. Well, I got to tell you, to this day, it has been 20 years since I had those. To this day, I still get this nervous kind of feeling, even though I know that it's not going to go off, I don't think, but I just have this, like, this memory of, and walk through it like it's going to go off. And I don't know, it's just a memory of my past that kind of stays with me even though it was two decades ago. Isn't that how life works sometimes? And again, whatever category you can think of, maybe a, a past mistake, a past sin, a painful memory, those things have a way of sticking with us. Um, but I don't want to live in my past. I, I don't want to let fear or shame steer the direction of my life. I want to be defined by the grace of God. And my future decisions should be a direct result of my identity in him, not something from my past. This is a story that I share a lot, but it's so good that the woman at the well, um, when Jesus spoke to her, she was ashamed of her past. Up until that point in her life, she did not have self-control. Her identity was all about, had to have a husband, had to have a relationship always. That's what her identity was in, but then when she met Jesus, she changed. And after meeting Jesus, she went into the town that she used to be ashamed to go in. She wanted everyone to know about the past that she used to be ashamed of, but now her identity was in Jesus. And one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, please hear this, John 4.39, one of my favorite ever, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. So she went from shame and no self-control to grace and a new identity, a new purpose, telling the world about Jesus. Her story can be our story as well. Whatever you struggle with in life, whatever topic that you feel like you may not have much self-control over, today's a new day. Give it over to God. His mercies are new every morning. And the very moment we realize we cannot do this life alone is the very moment we allow grace to enter into our story. Let's pray.